Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Praise God. <laughs> I tell you, sometimes the start of the show is the funniest thing. I am walking to my studio, and praise God. <laughs> it's so funny because that 7 o'clock doesn't lie. And this is as live as you get it. <laughs> it's quite funny. But anyway, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said, let's be the truth. Sorry about the noises. (laughs) All right. I'm going to wait till I get a confirmation before I get into the lesson. And I usually take about five or uh, six minutes or so to kind of update everybody. Uh, We're doing good. We've embarked upon new studies and new series and we have new thoughts about things. Well, they're not necessarily new for me, but they're, they're new concepts that we're teaching in the church. And so we've dedicated this to, to um, really in-depth studies of the Word of God. So I am delighted to be on with you tonight, You're gonna, or this morning rather. You're going to need to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And we'll be there for the majority of the lesson. Amen. So I'm excited about the word of God. Amen. So what else, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? Urban Gordon Ministry Coalition, we're going through we're going through some we're really launching this thing and we're really trying to get a coordinate of people that just want to meet and talk about vision and and things like that and want to um, uh, grow together in ministry. Now, here's what we want to do. We want to present a whole new a wave, a wave of new authentic leaders. And, 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 and this is what I'm looking for. I'm, I mean, nothing wrong with established leadership in the church. But we're looking for a new sound and a new voice, and and um, and um, we definitely want to go about our connection a new way. You get what I'm saying? So I think it's very important that we um, link up and grow up and connect on another level. Unity is going to be the fresh display of 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 the of the church progressive, and so we definitely want to um, look at that. We have been in this lesson going 
in and out of, of what we call classic teachings at Urban Glory. Now, some of it is uh, it may be considered new new thought to you, but it's not necessarily new to us, and it's definitely not new to what I've been teaching over the years. Amen. So um, I got my confirmation. Great, 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 great. So, um, but this, but it is helpful that we um, do this. Now, I want you to understand too. I'm I'm giving a lot more commentary and content um, in the method of survey. Okay, we're doing a survey of New Testament history. Ultimately, not New Testament theology, but New Testament history. And we're picking up in the time period and the time frame of the Church of Acts, all the or the church, the the church when it was after the ascension, all the way until the revelation. And we understand that that is a seventy year period. Okay, you got forty, you got forty days, fifty days after. Uh, the resurrection is Pentecost, but then you have 50 years between Acts and Revelation. Okay, so we're, and we're dealing with the seven churches of Asia Minor, and we're dealing of when you're using the uh, the concept of of the seven churches as a means to address the conflicts that are taking place within the church. So if you are not in the church, then this lesson, these sets of lessons are not for you, you know, and, and what I tried to say in the last lessons, a lot of times what people have done is made individual and personal conflicts that they have uh, within themselves, the church's conflict, and of course we are a collective body. We talked about, uh, we talked about correcting how we see the church. So um, this lesson is going to pick up and we're going to deal, I'm going to Use a strong word, but I'm going to give connotation to the concept, nonetheless. And then we're going to we're going to build on the foundation which we have talked about. The first division of teaching was correct me first, and so um, we talked about dealing with us, and, and and basically we said three things. We want to accept the grace for life or for living. We want to ascribe the righteousness. And we want to adapt to the Spirit's prompting. That's what we said in the first lesson. That's that's what we want to do. Now we're going to transfer uh, to a collective study, comprehending the church as one body. So that's why we're going to we're going to deal with Ephesians. I'm going to give a commentary on chapter three, and then we're going to build uh, structure and begin to build structure for this first lesson. We also, in the introduction of this study, talked about comprehending the plan of God. And what are we comprehending the plan of God for? The church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of truth. The church must be established on truth to be the church. Do y'all get my point? Okay. All right. All right, let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit, who is the educator and who is the guide, that gives me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I may manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and in everything that 
shall be revealed. You be glorified, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and we give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. The name of this set of series and our continual teaching on uh, on the subject of correcting, communicating, and confronting church conflict. We are dealing with the cure for church conflict. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? The cure for church conflict. And I, I like the word. The word provokes me. We talked about correcting me first in the first division where we talked about the, there's a demand placed on the hearts of every believer to deal with their personal offenses before they connect and attach with others for the sake of unity, which is God's plan for the church, and that God has set up structures in the church to empower the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, uh, to a perfect man. And we have we have been uh, we have been ascribing, of course, ascribing the righteousness, accepting the grace of life, and adapting. How we how we live, how we love, and how we listen, and these things we we have done to prevent the world from coming into the church and contaminating the church with its secular ideals. And the church is not secular in any nation. And I know that we have recently begun to um, numb our message to accommodate sinners and sin. But at the end of the day, we are the church of the living God, the, the church of the, the, which is the pillar and the ground of truth. So correcting, communicating, and confronting ministry conflict. Um, um, in this division, we're talking about a cure. Jesus' greatest ministry and his effect on the earth was healing. The greatest display of his ministry was healing. Let's go back to, uh, uh, before we go to Ephesians, let's go to the scripture where he talks about his job description. And that is found in Luke chapter 4. And he, and he tells us this. And, and we pick up uh, something. Now here's where uh, we, we begin. We begin saying, that Christ is the catalyst of change. Now, Jesus did not do anything on the earth until he was moved by the Spirit to do so. The momentum that Jesus had that motivated him to comply to the will of God was the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is that same power that raised Jesus from the dead that makes us alive to that same effect. And that's what we talk about in this in this comprehension that we almost must must come to terms with. In Luke he says that the Spirit of the Lord, let's let's read it in King James. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. But he just didn't anoint me just to be anointed. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to what? Heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance, which is another form of healing, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that were oppressed. The five dynamics of healings are displayed through this, preaching, uh, healing, deliverance, recovery, 
and liberty. You know what the five things are in that in that pattern. The anointing of God, the ability was to preach, but what to preach what? The gospel to the poor. So you, you see that's the preaching. Then you have the, uh, the, the, the sent part or the display of the gospel, was its, its effect through power, which was what? Healing the brokenhearted, preaching deliverance to the captives, and the result was recovery of sight to the blind, which is a miracle, and the set of liberty to them that are bruised. So, so here you see Jesus' greatest display in the world as far as ministry was concerned was the manifestation of, 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 of um, healing. Now, one of the things that, that, and the reason why I say this is because we have been on the series and a subject for this, uh, this, the spirit of triumph, that we are going to obtain unprecedented victory. And it's because of three things. We contain the power of God. We comprehend the plan of God. And we have conceived and resolved within ourselves to be the people of God. And and that overt display of who we are, what we have, and what we can do has created a reality for us, and that is triumph. Life after death, living in godliness, looking unto Jesus, the author and the completer of our faith. In other words, we have a fullness. So comprehending the plan of God is absolutely essential to us us resolving. And, it, and this is what the Lord said. You cannot carry the offenses and the conflicts uh, with other people and, and embody the capacity, the compassion, and the compass that comes from my love and my power displayed in your life. You got to have power, not to faint. You got to have power of the Holy Spirit to empower you to live out this Christian life in confidence. And so in the part of this of this lesson, I want us to have confidence in our catalyst. We said that Jesus is the catalyst of change. Christ is the catalyst of change, not Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That is the basis of which uh, Jesus established the origin of the church upon this rock or the revelation of who I am or my identity, I'm going to build my church. So the church has to reflect the identity of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, flesh and blood did not reveal this. Why? Because it was the spirit that, that bore witness with uh, uh, Peter that the church was in full effect through Jesus Christ. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And we are in full effect through the Lord Jesus. When we, um, when we, when we embody those convictions and characteristics and, and, can, and, and that compassion through his love. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, in in this in this we also have learned Jesus is the Jesus Christ is the catalyst of change. That Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it's indicative of his authority, his his authority, his authentic power. And and, and it is the Holy Spirit that that is that is the anointing factor of the anointed one, which is Jesus. So Jesus is the anointed one. The effect of it is Christ. 
and the mystery that was hid from all ages was Christ is in you. And we're going to talk about it in Ephesians chapter 3. So, so what Christianity demands is that we learn how to control how we live, how we love, and how we listen. To them that have ears, let them hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. So there's cures. Why do I say cures? Because Jesus came to heal. When he went to display his ministry, the, the effect of his ministry is healing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so perhaps our review of New Testament history and reflecting on New Testament history will display some of the things which the scripture indicates as issues, as conflicts. And, and then we can perhaps provide the alternative, which is to live as Christ. Resolve the alternative that uh, that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Resolve the alternative. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I keep repeating that. Jesus is the cure. I never forget. I was teaching on years ago on the perfecting process, which is a foundation class. We're gonna bring it back this year, so don't worry about it. Uh, I've changed the name, but the concept is the same. The subjects are the same. They don't change because they come directly from the Word of God. And the Bible says, you know, let's we can't we can't build upon something that was never established. So we must, as the body of Christ, we must embody these conditions. Amen. Now, uh, for the church, the, the goal of the church is to display these things. The gospel must be preached. Gather the, the gathering of the lost, that God would be glorified, and that we would grow into this nature called Christ. Okay, so when we when we see these when we see these things needed, we understand uh, the relevance of why Jesus came. Okay, so Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. I, I hope you take your notes because I'm just giving it to you because this is not our lesson. For today, we're going somewhere in our lesson for today. But you, if you don't, if you don't have him as the author and the finisher of your faith, something's wrong. And what are you growing into? Why are you going to church? And and a lot of times, because there there is no origin, there's no purpose. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Uh, Doctor Miles Monroe said. So we um we 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 keep abusing abusing the place. Where God tells us to go to get refueled, to get refocused, to get refined, to get reformed in in Christ, and that place is corrupted. Because now we got preachers up there talking about you don't have to be, go to church to be saved. No, you are the church, and the Bible tells you not to forsake yourself with the assembly as the manner of some is. So you still assemble to the church. I don't care what conflicts you have going on. You still go to church because you're a Christian. And that's simple. But because there has not been a, a proper uh, training on what it means to be the church and how to conduct yourself in the church, there's conflict. And that's what we've been addressing in this in this set of teaching. And because for you to experience triumph, you can't have a lot of issues going on that that has not been committed for Christ, for for the Lord Jesus to reform in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, Because the Bible says in this world you're going to have what? You're going to have trouble. But we have good cheer. What is it? He's done. He's I've overcome the world. He's triumphant. He triumphed over the world so that you can live a triumphant life. 
He did not bring you in this world not to comprehend and and um and, and to experience the God kind of life. That's not what he came for. Christ died that you might live. He said, I must decrease, or John said it rather, I must increase so that the spirit might or I must decrease so that he might increase. Do you see what what was his increase? Of course, the increase of his borders, Isaiah said, there'll be no end. But in there, um, his increase is, is, is seeing that same effect that was on Abraham through the blessing is on us through the anointing. Now, we, we can study the blessing to kind of get an idea of what the Holy Spirit's effect will be on our lives as a result of the anointing, because the Holy Spirit anoints us. He doesn't just... See, okay, let me tell you the distinction. Oh, man. The blessing is conditional. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. What is that? A condition. The anointing is an attribute. You have an anointing given from the Holy One that you what? That you know all things. What is that? An attribute. A condition versus an attribute. Blessings is, is, a, is, is, is a condition based on covenant. Attribute is based on fellowship and relationship. Now, it doesn't de- de- deter from the covenant that we have with God, but we're not just a co- people of covenant. Oh, Lord, have mercy. See, this is why the book of Hebrews, you got to understand what the word says about you as the church. Go to Hebrews. All right, let's do it. Cause, because we because we have taught so demonically in the church, we don't even know who we are today. Like I said, if you go into a church where the 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 gifts are the are the the pastor, prophet, evangelist, you know they call the fivefold ministry gifts. That's not what the Bible says. Then then you gonna have some you gonna have some trouble. You you are the, the gift is Christ. And of course, we 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 pointed that out in the last two lessons. That listen, the reason why a lot of corruption is because we got ambition in place of the anointing. And when the the Bible says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Okay, now <laughs> I I resolve that, and of course, you know the blessing is described. But, that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles. So it's a condition. But it's not the reality of God's best. The reality of God's best is Christ in you. And and that's and, and that's the part uh, that we are not hearing. Go to Hebrews chapter nine. It says Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine services and worldly and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made first wherein there was a candlestick and a table and a showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Hallelujah. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Glory to God. Now, you know why I go to praising God in these things? Because when I I realize, and I want you to understand, the, the Old Testament was written before our learning that we through the scriptures might have hope. I understand that the details and the intricacies to the historical appreciation of what took place in the Old Testament to get to God 
is, is afforded through us through grace and, and through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's made far superior, and we have this instinctively in us. Glory to God. Which which lets me know that that reality, that 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 comprehension causes me to triumph. See, I, I wanted to understand something. I didn't want to just be professing to know God and not know him or to prof- profess to comprehend the truth that I didn't know. And that's what you do when you just when you just merely just say, "Oh, I'm saved." And what you saved from? What are you saved to? And one of the roots of the word salvation is safety. So there's what what is what is guaranteed with your salvation? And if you can't spell that out um not only logically but methodically and 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 resolve. See, I can do it because I done did the research for myself. I know for myself. Like <laughs> glory to God. See, oh come on, let's get let's get into it. We let's we all wear the deck duck dug a hole. We might as well just go ahead and get get the gold. Let's dig. If we're gonna dig, let's dig for gold, if not anything else. See uh, let's keep reading because I want you to understand. Which is the golden city of the Ark of the Covenant overlaid w- about with gold. It's overlaid as not real gold. The golden pot and the hand, the manna and Aaron's rod budded in the tables of the covenant. This is Old Testament. Um, and over the cherubims, the glory shadowing the mercy seat, which is cannot, um, which we cannot now speak particularly. In other words, we don't be talking about that out loud. <laughs> now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always at the first tablet. First tabernacle accomplishing what? Service of God. Okay. But the second went into the second second went the high priest alone once every year. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. But here verse eight here. Oh, oh, oh. The Holy Ghost signifying that the way unto the holies of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. In other words, ain't none of that stuff that they did was what was going to make the holiest of all available. Which was a figure of the time, which was a figure for the time then present, which offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service what? Perfect. Now, now I want you to understand something. New Testament theology demands that you have a comprehension of the word perfect works. We ain't got into Revelations yet. We're going to get into Revelations. We're going to go into Ephesians 3, but we started with Hebrews 9, okay? Hebrews 9, Ephesians 3, Revelations, all right? Revelations 2, 2 through, well, 1 through 3, okay? Now, listen, it says that you've got to have a comprehension of perfection. And this is, I never forget when I first started teaching this, I could see the saints. Ain't nobody perfect. That ain't what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean faultless or or or, or you know uh, flawless or faultless. It means healthy, whole, and complete. Perfection indicates is is a prophetic is a prophetic declaration because you are compliant to the will of God on your life because you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You sanctify the Lord in your heart 
always ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you because that place, when you go about doing what you're supposed to do, that work is perfect, not because of what you do, but because of what you've submitted to. If Jesus is Lord, he's ruler, controller, and sustainer, and he only does what the will of God is, and you submit to that will, your work is perfect. It don't make you perfect. It makes the work that you do perfect. You get what I'm saying? So which was a figure of a time then present which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the surface perfect as a pertaining of, of, to the conscience. Because when he would go up there with that offering of the blood into the holies of all, it never touched his conscience. Because he couldn't use his mind. He had to obey. Which stood only in meats, drinks, and divers washings of carnal ordinances is po- imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now let me tell ooh, let me tell you something. These these this is this is an, an eternal conflict. Okay? That's a loaded concept right there. Eternal conflict. Or you, you uh, I love the subject and I don't know, um Benny Hinn taught a teaching years ago called the agenda of the ages. And what you do is you focus on how uh, you go back to redemption and you go through the covenants and you go through prophecies and you go through the gospels and you get all the way to the revelation and you see that in that there is there is a restoration of eternal eternal conflicts that were 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 the cause of man rejecting God at, in Genesis and then God fulfilling it. Fulfilling its restoration through Christ through the ages or the agendas or the plans through the ages. So when we talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory, that that, that glory is not only a um, uh, a definite state. It's an eternal position. And, okay, all right. I don't want to get into that because I don't want us to get lost. Which and, and let's you said listen until the time of of reformation, verse eleven. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not with this building, neither with the blood of goats or cows, or by his own blood, he entered once in, into the holy place. See, they went once a year, but he only went once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and goats and of the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling of the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. In other words, you just clean up your flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, what is the eternal spirit? The Holy Ghost, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience. Do you know what I'm saying? He doesn't want you to have, see, the Bible says in Romans 8, when somebody, Romans 1, rather, when someone has rejected the things of God, it's because their conscience is seared like a hot iron. You know what that means? Seared it means burnt to toast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In other words, you don't have you don't have a conviction that provokes you to get back to God. So He says, "Listen, it purges our con- conscience from dead works, so that we can serve a living God." Now go back to the service of God in verse. Uh, 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 let me make sure I give it to you We're in the same chapter I'm not going nowhere In verse 6 And by verse verse uh, fifth, um, 14 You see the living God The service of God The living God And for this call 
He is the mediator of a new testament that means by death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first, they which were called might receive the promise of a what? Internal inheritance. Now go to Ephesians chapter 3. All right. Amen. Now these things you got to understand. I always tell you if you want New Testament theology, learn two books, Ephesians, well, three books, Ephesians, Hebrews, and Colossians. I'm not saying that they're better. I'm saying they explain. They explain the, the agenda that God has. If you want to understand. Because what's happening now is we don't have people that are comprehending the plan of God. And the reason why is because in the church, we have made, instead of the, the, the agenda about Jesus or the agenda about Christ, we've made it about gifts. And so you have people, because the scripture tells you to be zealous for gifts and covet the most earnest gifts, they're coveting the attributes after personalities that sit in those gifts versus of, of, the, of the measure and the Christ which God has dealt to every man through faith, that we might be all suppliers of one another, that we may all obtain that unity of the faith for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints. So Ephesians 4 can never be fulfilled. When we have people, when we don't have, uh, when we don't have the right perspective of of the gift of Christ, do you hear what I'm saying? Now, one of the greatest appeals in the, the book of Ephesus, the Ephesus is the first church that receives revelation uh, revelation in Asia Minor. These seven churches are are like a. Um, uh, uh, are like the Underground Railroad, if you will. Prophetically, they're a prophetic railroad to how God uh, intends to uh, transform the world into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. I love to go in tongues on stuff like that because I know, you know, you can intellectually ascent, try to ascend to this stuff, but you need the Holy Ghost to know what I'm talking about in this, in this, in this, in this fast and all its glory. Now, uh, Paul Paul begins to articulate this because he's dealing with in the key verse in verse ten of chapter three the intent to the intent that now to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now listen to this. We're gonna go back up up in a second. Paul's one one um, agenda. Is to see the effect of the gospel Displayed as it was uh, um, Outside of the culture of Judaism To make a drastic distinction between The Jewish faith Versus faith at large And what do I mean by that? In Christ he eradicates Egotism, racism, classism, sexism uh, and and um, ego, uh, did I say egotism, sexism, classism, racism, right? All of those isms and schisms, uh, he eradicates to the to the Lord Jesus. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Glory to God! My book just did something. Praise the Lord! He eradicates that all in Christ. And the book of Ephesians, of course, uh, Ephesians is one of the major churches. And, of course, all of these churches, right, that we listed. Y'all remember the list of the churches? 
Now I need y'all to know so so that way we can we can be talking under this we can we can have a conversation because I don't need y'all to have an appreciation for what I'm saying. I, I want to have a conversation with you. And although I'm not talking to you on the phone and and getting your responses, I want you to <laughs> I want you to be able to to grasp this this church in power or in effect. Okay, so you got Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia, right? And all of them got issues. Okay, all of them got issues, but all of them have virtues. They got virtues and they have issues. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all of those, all of those, are going to be resolved if they hear what the Spirit has to say to the church, which is. Uh, Praise God, which is uh, which is the the authority of the church, Christ. When I say Christ as the cure, comprehending Him as the cure, having confidence in our cure, um, Christ as the cure, Christ is the cure. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. All right, it is the Holy Spirit. Now let's that, that that's going to get into our outline today. But let me go back to Ephesians chapter one. Amen. Chapter three. It says, if ye have heard, verse 2 in chapter 3, the dispensation of the grace of God. Now, most of us don't know nothing about the dispensation of the grace of God. Dispensation is the moment in time where grace has full effect. When did that happen? When we all received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you see why the attack on the Holy Ghost is? They want to make the argument about speaking in tongues, and that's not even the issue when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It is functioning in the authority as the church that makes the Holy Spirit relevant. No one exercised any authority or power or display of any divine virtue without being classified as the church in the New Testament. So the, the way to get you from really not experiencing the effect of the church is to get you convinced that you're not the church. And that the church is corrupt and not perfect in God. So what's what's happening in the in the in the body of Christ is we're we're not set on being the church. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? We're not set on being the church. And these items, like you go to churches today, and they don't teach on Pentecost. Because they don't believe in speaking in tongues. That don't got nothing to do with Pentecost. You get what I'm saying? Or they, you, you know, they don't teach righteousness and they don't teach against sin. As if those, those, those things uh, are not relevant to the revelation of the church. But that's not what the, the scripture says, okay? Let's keep reading. It says, he says, listen. The dispensation is the moment where the grace is in full effect as the Holy Spirit, which is given unto you how by how that by revelation. Why are we studying revelation? We're trying to find out what these conflicts are 
and the reason why we we can find out what's happening in the church, if we're going to deal with the conflicts in the, in the church through communicating, confronting, and correcting, we're going to have to go by revelation. And that's where this scripture it makes it known. It says, how by by revelation he made known unto us the mystery, as I wrote to you afore in a few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of what? In the mystery of Christ, which the other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets, by who? The Spirit. That the Gentiles shall that the Gentiles should be fellow fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ by the gospel. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me, unto the um, uh, who I am less the least of these, of all the saints, grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So here, here again, this is what we're preaching. This is about Jesus. Or the, and Jesus is about, all about the people of God having the spirit of God, which contains the plan of God, so that the purpose of God can be effectual in the earth. All right. Now, we're going to break this down by understanding. But like I said, to make all men what? See the fellowship of the mystery, which was from the beginning of the world, and has been hidden in God, who created all things by who? See what? He created all things by who? Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. And, 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 of course, verse 10 clarifies it to the intent that now to the principalities and powers and places might be known by the church. Who is it going to be known by first? The church. So you got to be the church to know. You got to be the church to know. The purposes which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. Uh-oh, that gets us into our lesson. Cures for the church conflict is communicating conflict within the church. And the key concept in the scripture is that we must know as we, there's things that we must know as the church to maintain our confidence. How do we develop confidence in our cure? We comprehend the plan of God. We commit to love the people of God. And we consecrate ourselves in the power of God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Now, so our scheme of study or our objective, our purpose, goal, and objective is to look at what causes conflict in the church and provide cure. And I said that Jesus' greatest display of his ministry was healing or curing. And all of those effects in Luke chapter 4 confirms what we're studying in Ephesians. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passive knowledge that she might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I want you to understand that that's loaded, and uh, but for the sake, let's get into this outline. When we talk about this this revelation, we, we want to deal. We can go into revelation and symbolically 
chart a prophetic agenda. If you want to learn about the church and how to be the church and what goes on in the church, what happens in the church, what are the challenges of the church, you study the church. And Asia, the church of Asia Minor is one set of seven churches out of multiple churches that were already in effect. Remember, the church was added daily as such should be saved in Acts uh, chapter 3. And then, and then in, this, in this period, this period of 50 years, there's churches all over. There, there are a number of churches in Jerusalem, Judaism. There's so much church in, in, in the Jewish nation that it's hard to, it's hard to decipher whether or not uh, Christianity was Judaism. That's how strong the effect was because Christ was the cure-all. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was, there was no doubt that Christ, that the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was in full effect by the church of Acts. Jesus had revealed himself for 50, 50 days after the resurrection to the point that 122 people waited for the promise of the Spirit and received the manifestation of the Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And then daily 5,000 will be the daily 5,000, daily 5,000, daily 5,000, daily 5,000, daily 5,000. The church was added as such should be saved. So I, I on a bad day, 5,000 people get saved a day. And that we should thank God for because anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. All right. Now, and 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 and, and let's read because I'm only stopping at three today. Now, of course, you know, I talked about the measure of the gift of Christ in chapter thir- uh, verse 13 of chapter 4. I talked about the grace of the measure of that gift in verse 7. So in verse 7, verse 4, uh, or, or verses 12 through 14 gives the objective of this, and we understand in verse 3 of chapter 4 that we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I backed up to chapter 3. Last week I talked about chapter 4. I backed up in chapter 3 of Ephesians so that you understand this. Your, your catalyst of change, the reason why we have confidence in Christ to be a change or agent of change is because we've seen the effect of the Holy Spirit at work, not only in the earth through creation, but now through Christ, we see him changing us through the transformation and the renewal of our minds. That if we change our conscience because of, of, of the covenant, the New Testament, which was established upon better promises, the, the purging, the the, the resuscitation or the resurrection factor of, 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 of the Lord Jesus being accepted as Lord in our life. He, the Bible says he purges our conscience from dead works that we might serve the living God. In other words, we experience a resurrection within, within us. We experience a resurrection. Why? Because we've asked him to correct us first. But then we found the cure. The cure is not only does it affect me, but it affects everything that I do, everything that I say. I love what I love. I love what he loves. I hate what he hates. I live like he lives. I say what he says, and I do what he does. You hear what I'm saying? So so what, what God wants to do in, in several things to build us to Christ is five things. He wants to first stimulate our competence. 
make certain the study to show ourselves approved to God. And from there we get conviction. Why? Because we understand that our righteousness is as filthy rags, which requires us to change the way we think. And that the changing of the way we think is based on the convictions that we have about what we're doing. If we're not aligned to the will of God, we're not right. And then from there we have characteristics that have been ascribed to by the impression of or the inspiration of the Spirit. Okay, and then we have clarified standards. Clarity, because in all that, get in what we get. Understand? You get what I'm saying? And then, of course, we then reflect the nature that we carry within, which is Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Or the, 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 various, the very thing that we have strived to achieve is to live is Christ. To die is gain. Why? Because it's not, not, I no longer live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died for me. Do y'all get what I'm saying? Christ is the cure-all. He is why we, we have confidence in, in, in being able to take on the challenges that we face. So these seven churches, these seven churches are found in Revelation chapter 2 all the way to chapter 3 to verse 12. So uh, in Ephesians, it's talking about returning to first love. Smyrna, they have little strength. Pergamon have blasphemy, the synagogue of Satan, but they have, they have strength issues. Thyatira teaches, um, teaches against, um, teaches of, of, uh, who try to infiltrate uh, fornication and um, false doctrine in there. Sardis with strength uh, uh, needed to be increased because they don't have perfect work. They're not doing things according to the prescribed plan. But then we have Philadelphia, which is a prescribed way, or a mature church who is able to endure persecution and faithfulness. And these issues now then become the focus as to why conflict takes place in the church. Because the, the Lord Jesus, in addition to the prophetic uh, words over the church were given so that you could hear what the Spirit has to say and then do what the Spirit says for you to do. You can look at these seven churches and see where these conflicts and how to resolve these conflicts. And that's what we're going to talk about in these lessons. Now, Christ as a cure-all, amen. And now I can get to my notes. <laughs> Hallelujah. How should Christians handle conflict? I'm going to give that. Let me make sure I gave my um, point. Creating confidence around the catalyst of change is key. Our catalyst of change is Christ. Not Jesus, but the authority that he impacts, that he impresses, and that he inspires our hearts to flow and function in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Christ is the authority that the church depends on. How does it depend on it? Number one, to fellowship through the comprehension of the plan of God. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, to follow. Not to fellowship, but to follow. That's number one. To follow the comprehensive plan of God. Number two, to function in the authority of the power of God. Number three, to fellowship in the mystery of Christ as the saint. Number four validates this to flow in the power of the corporate anointing 
or the, the power of the Holy Ghost. And then to number five, faithfully maintain steadfastness where? In Christ. You hear what I'm saying? So there's a there's a following, there's a functioning, there's a fellowship, there's a faith a flow, and then there's a faithfulness that is demanded of us. So when we say we depend on the authority of the of the whole of the, the Christ is the authority of the church, how is that authority realized? It's realized when we follow, when we function, when we fellowship, when we flow, and when we're faithful. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I don't want you to get too deep that you're not comprehending what I'm saying. Because this is what, what we need. When we want the Holy Spirit to do. Now, when I say cure, what do I mean? When I say cure for our conflict, we resolve that Jesus came to heal. And I, I told you, if you're going to experience unprecedented victories in your life this year, you're going to have to know and accept Jesus as the healer. And that's what we're missing. We don't, we're, not teaching, we're not teaching Jesus as a healer no more because we're not seeing miracles. Miracles do not mandate uh, whether healing takes place or not. You can get healed and never get a miracle. So what do I mean by cure? To relieve, to preserve, and to process. What do I mean by that? To restore, to bring back to right standing, to rehabilitate, to retrain through restoration, and to reconcile, to cause to coexist in harmony with the greater picture. Do you hear what I'm saying? When I say cure, I mean to relieve, to preserve, to process. In other words, we, we are, what, what are we preserving? Jesus, the flow of the Holy Spirit, functioning as the authority of the church, following, functioning, fellowshipping, flowing, and faithfully maintaining our steadfastness in Christ. You hear what I'm saying? Because that's what the devil don't want you to do. He doesn't want you to maintain. In addition to this, how are Christians to handle conflict? I want to give you these. The next week I'll give you the scripture and commentary a little more in depth for it. And then we'll get back into Revelation. This, these are some simple things and they're simple scriptures. I'll give you the scriptures next week. I'll give you the statements this week. Number one, listen. Before we speak, we listen before we speak. How do we handle conflict? We listen before we speak. According to the word of God. The Bible says we what? Slow to speak. And what? Quick to, to listen. You got it. Number two, we lean not to our own understanding. Why? In all our ways, we acknowledge him so that he cannot direct our path. If we're directed by God, we lean not to our own understanding. So there's, there's times we know we don't understand. Number three, we live righteously. We, in other words, sin is unacceptable. We, we strive to exist in the standards which, which Christ or the Lord Jesus has demanded of us to obey. And then... Number four, we live as Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. In other words, our living, then our living is a resolve within us to be spirit-led. 
There is therefore not no condemnation to those who walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so we live as Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then we, fifthly, we love unconditionally. How do we handle conflict? We listen before we speak. We lean not to our own understanding. We live righteously. We live as Christ. We love unconditionally. Y'all hear the word of the Lord. Well, amen. That's it. That's all I have time for. Praise our God. Glory to God. We're building on this foundation, on a sure foundation. Hallelujah. I, I hear that old song in my spirit. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a preacher at heart because at the end of my message, I either hear a story or a song. But I hear that um, song, um, thank God for Jesus who laid the foundation. Thank God for Jesus who opened up the way. Thank God for Jesus who leadeth me each day. I thank God, thank God, thank God. We used to sing that at, 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 at the at the transition of praise, uh, a transition from Sunday school to um, praise and worship or prayer service back in the day. Y'all know I'm kind of old school, even though I'm new, new school too as far as age, but I'm old school all the way. I like that song. Thank God for Jesus who laid the foundation. Thank God for Jesus who opened up the way. Thank God for Jesus who leadeth me each day. I thank God. Thank God, thank God. Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you this morning again to study your word. We delight in your truth because we know that it's the truth that makes us free. And because of that, we thank you and we praise you for the things that shall be accomplished and the things that have been revealed. We trust you, Lord, as the church this day. And we commit to live godly before you so that we can see what you purposed in your heart, the purpose for our lives to be made known throughout the ages to come. And for this we praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do greater than he that's within you than he that's within the world.